again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I am joined by Will Murden. How is it going today, Will? Really good, man. This is, uh, this is something new. We are really getting after it today. New territory for us. I'm sitting in a my hotel room in Japan. I've got a futon on the ground. Um, I've got like inside shoes. I was going to say that. Did you leave your shoes outside? No, like there's inside outside shoes, dude. If you were cultural and you traveled a bit, you'd understand. I showered out of a bucket this morning. So it's all happening here. You do that at home though, so... That, I mean, that is true. Having said that, uh, Tokyo is a lovely city, nice and clean, lots of green space actually, lots of, lots of trees and stuff. So it's actually really, really nice. bit warmer here than what it is back in Adelaide, but yeah. All of this sounds really good. Yeah, I mean, it's nice. I'm, I mean, I am enjoying it. Um, so yeah, well, hopefully this won't be the last show we, ha- we get to do from Japan, but uh, maybe we'll bring in a, a little bit of a a Japanese-flavoured segment uh, as the week. You have to come up with something. I'd, I'd, you know, we could have thought about this before we did this show, but we might workshop something as the show progresses. However, today we have got a lot to get through. We've got AP poll information. We've got game recaps. We have got uh, some helmet stickers to give out. We've got Aussies in action, championship draft, bold predictions, and on the punt as well. So we have got a truckload of quality, quality football to get through after a massive, massive week four. So without any further ado, let's dive straight in. The AP poll, Will, your takeaways from the numbers released uh, just today. Yes, so it has dropped and what are we talking, a lot of SEC love again, uh, as, as expected. So Standard. Yeah, yep. I mean, Wisconsin were big movers this week, uh, rightfully yep. so, I feel, on the back of their very impressive victory. Um, Notre Dame didn't drop a whole heap uh, in, a, in a tight tussle with Georgia. So those Which I think two, is pretty fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those two had a, a really good outing, but you've got what SEC at two, three, four, and seven, and I mean Auburn have probably been the most impressive team in who they've beaten and the fact that they haven't done it at home so far through the year. Like I don't yeah, think there's anyone out sure. there who's got as impressive victories as they do at this point. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, we'll talk a little bit about Auburn. They played uh, A&M on the weekend and had a good win, but I'm sure we will talk about them uh, in a little bit of detail. And whilst good, they are certainly have got some areas that they need to tidy up, and we'll, we will talk about that a little bit later on. But yeah, Auburn travelling really, really nicely at the moment. Uh, other teams that are going well and very quietly California sit at 4 and 0 Iowa at 3 and 0 sit at 14 or 15 and 14 respectively Boise State undefeated at 16 uh, Virginia undefeated at 18 and then it's a bit of carnage down the bottom I mean Texas A&M at 2 and 2 uh, probably a bit harsh not I mean, you're probably not jumping into the rankings after a loss to Texas after being out last week at Oklahoma State, but I could make an argument for a team like Wake Forest or Oklahoma State uh, to to jump in the rankings over a two and two A and M. Yeah, get the Demon Deacons in there. Four and I off to a great start. Haven't haven't had yeah. great matchups. I don't think early on, but they've looked good. They've got a shot in the ACC. Yeah, they do, and I think they've looked better than some of the really sad Michigan State offensive games and uh, all those sorts of things. But, yeah, you know, as we've seen in the past years, well, in every year, this bottom five or six is tumultuous, and there will be a lot of change there as Washington State drop out um, from their disappointing loss. And there's a few other teams starting to make a little bit of noise as well. Missouri had a good win over South Carolina. And yeah, whilst they got off to a slow start the season, you know, Missouri are, are coming along. Uh, Mississippi State coming along. Arizona State drop out uh, with their loss as well. Is there anyone in that 20 to 25 range that you could see springboarding back into the top 10 over the next, you know, four or five weeks? Not at all. I think that Michigan game was really, really disappointing. You know my thoughts on USC. Maybe UCF. I actually thought they 
probably dominated that game uh, well, for early. much of. The, not, not if you were watching it earlier. Oh so, yeah, sorry. For, right for for the back end, they were completely in control, um, and you know, unfortunately, couldn't get across the line. And I think they were still probably the better team, particularly offensively throughout the course of the game. But that's not what matters. What matters is the win. And they didn't get it. And their competition is going to be, you know, below that of what Pitt is. Say what you will about Pitt. But, you know, UCF aren't going to get another Power 5 game this year. So it's going to be tough to see them slide back up. Correct, yeah. But I just no, don't think actually, they can do it purely based off of that. Like the fact that they're not going to yeah, beat yeah. anyone, the the pollsters are always going to go back and say, "Well, you had a shot against Pitt and couldn't get it done." So, and you dropped the ball. It's a big blemish. Yeah. So no, I don't. I think all of those teams are critically, fatally flawed, and they have all got issues which will unravel uh, in the next couple of weeks as they get deeper into conference play. Okay. So, right. yeah. So, moving things along now, I, I've been thinking about it the last couple of weeks. I'm a bit concerned that these episodes yeah. are a bit dry, our, our recap ones. We have a bit more fun yeah. on uh, the preview shows, and I'm like, what, what can we do to kind of spice things up and, and do it? So, in our intro bit, I want us to kind of – let's have a look at a few things across the weekend that really stand out for us. So – Firstly, I want you to give me the juice. What what got you going? What what got the blood racing a little bit for you over the weekend? What was something you had there? And then after that, we're going to go lay down Sally. So hopefully most Aussies out there would know what that is. It's it, what, what's <laughs> super disappointing uh, based off of our uh, that poor rowing bird. Who just gave up and Sally Sally Robbins was it Robbins? Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, she uh, bailed in an Olympic event, just decided to pull the pin and uh, drop anchor, really, when her team needed her most. Correct. So who who really put forward that sort of performance on the weekend? So to yeah. kick things off, mate, uh, have you got something for us? What, Firstly, what, uh, what got you up and about over the weekend? Um, well, probably... On the flight over, I watched the new Aladdin movie. That was all right. <laughs> okay. Surprisingly okay. I also watched that and eh. <laughs> Not a fan. No, nah, it didn't, didn't do a lot for me, if I'm going to be perfectly honest. But. <laughs> I thought once we got through, um, and this is maybe a little bit of an analogy for the team that I'm going to talk about. Once we got through the fact that it was Bollywood and I sort of looked past that, I was really expecting a disappointing performance from Will Smith. But he actually pleasantly surprised. So well done him. And well done to the guy that I'm going to talk about, which is Joe Burrow. Okay. He is my Will Smith genie analogy in that I didn't have high hopes for him this year. I didn't believe that he played real well last year. Um, And this LSU offense I thought was going to be mediocre again. But gee... Holy willikers. Uh, Jamar Chase, Terrence Marshall, Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, they have gone off this year offensively and turned this LSU attack into an absolute juggernaut. And a lot of the credit I know goes to 30-year-old Joe Brady, who's come in as that passing game coordinator. Uh, But he has turned this into a spread-out, balanced running and passing attack they give a lot of multiple looks they'll drop tight ends in they'll go five wide Uh, they look to get the ball out quickly and allow these athletes space to work into the old speed in space adage and joe burrow looks completely in control of this offense he looks fantastic he looks confident and on top of that lsu haven't been making the media noise that they perhaps were last year it's like oh lsu is going to make the jump lsu 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 whereas this year it's LSU's good. We're not we're not sure how good yet. We're just going to sit and wait on it a little bit. And they're just going about their business absolutely crushing teams. Well, what, so that was the team that got me up and about this week. The, the stat that I saw was that Joe Burrow through four games now has thrown more touchdowns than he did all of last year. So that's, yeah. a, that's a pretty and, good indication that, that something has changed uh, and that things are working down in Baton Rouge. So you're spot on that. They've been super impressive. And 
they're certainly one to watch at the moment because the talent's never been an issue there. They've always got the dudes. It's just historically been offensively, especially recently, they have been inept and they haven't been able to match it with teams whenever someone can run up a score on them. But this year seems to be different. So, yeah, that's that's a good call. I like that one. What about you, mate? What has got your juices flowing, your loins warm? Who was it? Uh, for me, it was Wisconsin. So I think part of this was the fact that I was so confident that this was going to be the result going into it. Like in, in our preview show, I kind of gave the reasons for it. I had them in on the punt. Like I was pretty confident that they were a much better team and they showed it. Like this is a team with a real identity. They know what they're about. They got big boys up front. They like to run the football. They have a disciplined quarterback who's has not put a foot wrong, to be honest. And they completely own that game. Like it was the only time that Michigan scored was when backups were in the game, really. Like they were able to put their second stringers in and they were dominant. Mm. And Jonathan Taylor is a special talent. So they're they're really impressive for me at the moment. And I've got them, you know, right up the top in the pecking order overall. Yeah, for sure. I was also impressed by I mean, they're up thirty five to nothing over a Michigan team that we thought was was pretty solid. And you're right, the play of Jack Cohn has been surprising. Uh certainly not blowing the doors off statistically or anything like that, but he's making big plays at a key time. He's running the ball effectively when he needs to. Uh he's and he's and he's delivering the ball on time to to his receivers on the outside when he has to. So absolutely, I think Wisconsin has has got a really, really good shot at not only uh, winning the Big Ten West, but certainly, you know, winning the Big Ten on the whole. Yeah, I mean, Ohio, I really rate Ohio State. Uh, but both of these teams at the moment, I think, uh, certainly in the conversation, you know, as, as the best in the country, we haven't seen what Clemson can do yet. We haven't seen what Alabama can do. Like, yeah, I mean, they've been impressive, but they haven't really played anyone where Wisconsin against Michigan is, that's a pretty big matchup, and they were dominant in that one too. So I've seen more out of them than the others. And I'm not saying that they're a better team, but I'm not discounting them at the moment. I'm certainly not saying that they couldn't match it with those guys from what I've seen so far. Okay, moving along then. Lay down Sally. Um, Sally Robbins. I don't know if it was Robbins, but I'm going with it. Um, what? Who? Who? What was your biggest disappointment then from the week? And I haven't. Hope you haven't stolen mine. So I'll let you go first. Thank you. Now, for me, it was the pack. The Pac-12 as a conference. Okay. So I uh, I was kind of really optimistic on Utah, and we um, again we spoke about this last week. I was worried going into this game. I was hoping that they would win, knowing that if they dropped it, that was kind of their chance done, and they couldn't get it done. And then not only that, Arizona State, who were undefeated, went down to Colorado. That's that's disappointing after going on the road and beating Michigan State, and then to cap it all off. Washington State in what is one of the craziest games I've seen in some time, somehow give up a 32-point lead that they were up halfway through the third quarter. Their quarterback throws nine touchdowns and they fucking lose. (laughs) Come on. Like at that point in the day, I was was just thinking – Maybe Washington State can do it. Maybe they're the team. Like I was, I was really hoping that they could emerge from the Pac-12. But no, it's their hopes now rest with Cal, and that ain't a great spot to be. Is it, is it just Cal? I think it's Oregon as well. I think if Oregon are a one-loss team and their only loss is to a, a top seven, six, seven, eight Auburn team, they take two. That's a pretty. They good take spot two to be. from the SEC in that place, man. I, I don't see a scenario where it's not like a Bama LSU, Georgia LSU, Auburn, Georgia, like something like that. I, I imagine it'll be two of them from there. Yeah, I guess that's fair enough. And the boys out west can just play with their own bat and ball, I suppose, a little bit. And that's the way it's kind of shaping up. Yeah, they, they brought it upon themselves. I mean, they, they just need to do more and, and not drop these disappointing matchups that they seek to keep keep continually doing so that's for me what about you yeah, man for sure uh i'm gonna say a couple of offenses apparently i'm stuck really on my offensive side this year uh but in the big 10 michigan 
for one. And Northwestern, I'll start with Michigan. That Josh Gaddis offense has been an absolute nightmare. Uh, they're turning the ball over, mainly by putting it on the ground, and they did that three or four times again uh, on uh, in, in their game against Wisconsin and at big moments as well. Uh, there's no consistency or rhythm with Shea Patterson and being able to get the ball on the outside to his receivers. Um, the offensive line has been inconsistent and and just a really disappointing season for one that was building for Michigan. You know, over the course of this three, four, five years, and we talked about Harbour, is he on his, you know, is the, is the seat getting hot? Is he going to have to move on? You know, last year was supposed to be a taster and yeah they you know they they dropped uh, that game to Ohio State and then fell away from there but you know we thought that they would bounce back this year the defense would be perhaps not as good but they would go on and and continue to really push the pace in the Big Ten but they haven't done that and that offense has been really really disappointing and they look like they could be mm, I don't know maybe the fifth or sixth best team in their own conference at the moment um yeah, no. You know, I'm I'm more conf- I'm more confident with uh, obviously Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, even Nebraska. Like Nebraska, a bit hot and cold, but they could easily get Michigan at the moment. So they are a bit of a mess down there in yeah, Ann Arbor. It's not good. And when Jim Harbaugh's uh, post game press conference is like, we were beaten comprehensively. We were out prepared. We were out coached. Yeah. That's not good when you're coming off a bye. Like. You've had fucking two weeks to prepare and to get your shit together. So that admission, whilst, you know, I respect it, is not a good sign. So they, yeah, they're they're not looking good because I know both you and I were big on them this year and they've been probably the most disappointing team so far this year. And the other one that is really disappointing has been Northwestern. Offensively, they had Hunter Johnson, this five-star transfer from Clemson. He has proven that he's, you know, maybe that five-star billing was a little bit overrated on him. They rank 114th in the country in yards, 117th in scoring. Um, they had, they've got absolutely no identity. I don't know what they stand for offensively. They only had 126 passing yards to go along with three interceptions against Michigan State. Now I know that Michigan State defense, particularly that front four is disruptive and tough to play against, but they are really, really, really struggling offensively and it is a tough watch for them at the moment. I agree with you wholeheartedly there, mate. Okay, a couple of Big Ten offenses uh, and the Pac-12 continue to struggle. Now, we were going to do your favourite segment of calling a play. Are you happy to Carry on with yeah, this. Yeah, if, if you want, we can give this a crack. We can give it a trial and we can see how we go and then the listeners can let us know whether it's garbage or not. Okay, so we've rolled the dice here and, and the way this, another one of Will's brain children, I guess, another Will brain child, if you will, uh, is that we're going to have a look or one of us picks a play or a couple of plays, maybe I get you to have a couple of plays to choose from, and then we're going to play it, play it live, and Will's going to actually commentate this particular play. Now, obviously, live calling is something we've never done before, so this could be an absolute shit fight, um, but we'll see how we go. And the play that I have chosen for you, well, I'll give you two plays. There was a double pancake block by an LSU offensive yep, lineman, badass. and a play from the Houston, and a play from the Houston Tulane game uh, that was a bit of trickeration and a bit of uh, okay, yeah, yeah, I know the one. I can bring that up. I'll, I'll I'll call our listeners through it so I can uh, which let me get myself in the zone here and and I'll bring it up and then we'll see how we go. And and I don't know how many people would have caught this one being the old uh, Friday night game, but let's let's give it a crack and we'll see how we go. Let's see how clean you are. You're a potential Brett Musburger. Definitely not that. But all right, here we go. So late in the last year, 18 seconds to go. Houston Tulane, 31 apiece. Looks like things are winding down and Tulane are set to take this one to overtime. The victory formation in and ready to go to take the kneel to see it to overtime. I think that's not a bad move. 
seeing as they've been, oh, wait, wait, no, he's handed it off. They've pulled this one out of the hat. It's a fake. He's off around the corner and a first down. You would not believe it. Where has that one come from? I have not seen a fake knee in some time. Look at that. He has pulled that one out of the bag of tricks, first down, and what an opportunity it is now for them to progress the ball. There we go. Very sharp. Very sharp, oh, didn't William. start well with uh, the whole victory of, formation of... to see a fucking tie. That's that's just incorrect. <laughs> uh, didn't get too many name drops in there. There was no distance called either. And having this as not a visual stimulus, I didn't really know where we're up to. So a bit of feedback. We'll work on it. This is easy. I appreciate that. Yeah, I need that. If I want to improve here, I I need all of that stuff. But for those of you who were not aware, that uh, fake Neil got them the first down. And then the next play, they ended up hitting on a like 60-yard touchdown pass to win them the game. Yeah. Shit was crazy. That was crazy. Uh, Okay, let's move right along here because there's a real danger that this episode blows out. Uh, Let's get into some game recaps. So we had some massive games uh, of the week. There were some really good games to go along with the massive ones, and then there was a whole bunch of other stuff in there as well. But let's start with Oklahoma State, your boys, and their loss to Texas, 36-30. to I'll let you start first, William, but what were your kind of takeaways from that particular game? Yeah, I'm glad you're letting us get this one out of the way early so we don't have to dwell on it. But uh, it was, for me, a game of real missed opportunities for Oklahoma State. Uh, they had opportunities. That is my notes here. That is that, my that, notes here. Game of missed that, opportunities. They had their chances. And, I mean, Texas helped by giving them. There were a couple of muff punts there that gave them yep. – Critical, critical key position on the field. They were able to convert one of them to the touchdown, the other one that they weren't. And oh, it, it's just one of those ones that you really regret because you've got a good team this year. It's a really hostile road environment, tough to get a win there. And, you know, if you can, it's, it's absolutely magical for your program, but they're not able to do it. So if there is a good loss, it, this probably fits in that. But college football doesn't have those good losses. Like, they all suck. And they suck a lot more than most sports. Yeah. So, oh, disappointing, man. Disappointing. I 100% agree with you. I think I don't think Oklahoma State made the most of their big moments. And it even came down to that onside kick recovery, which they had a chance oh, to make a play they? on the ball. It came and loose. It was, it was flapping around there for a while, but they just couldn't fall on it. They had a fake field goal. I think you called it a fake field goal. It looked messy. It did, yeah. It wasn't well executed. No, you had a fourth down inside the five. Did you see that one though? Did you see where the ball got spotted on that? I got real issues with that. They, <laughs> there was Spencer Sanders' run and he called him out at the four. He was closer to the two. It should have been a first down at that spot. They reviewed it. They were like, eh, we don't really fucking know. We'll just leave it as is. We didn't convert the fourth at that, you know, fourth and one on the four. That, oh, man. These are those opportunities. Yeah, and on top of that, you talk about uh, two field goals and two opening drives when you really moved the ball at will and then stalled out in the red zone. Compare that to Texas, they scored their two touchdowns and kind of those things were sort of the difference. I was I was really, really impressed by Sam Ellinger. Uh, I probably had him tabbed a little bit more as only a college quarterback. He's a guy that can run power. He can he can run the ball. He's he's happy uh, churning his legs in the box and running between the tackles. He can get on the outside and in those run pass options, he's really good. But the thing that impressed me was his ability to manipulate the secondary with his eyes um, and just make some massive throws into some pretty tight windows by controlling the defense, which I haven't seen enough of that from him. And that shows a little bit of next level now which is fantastic for Texas and fantastic for him moving forward. On the other hand, Spencer Sanders, I thought he would have a little bit more success, if I'm honest, uh, against a a really questionable Texas pass defense and secondary. And and he had his moments, but he turned the ball over twice. One was really bad uh, early in in, in the first half. And 
I don't, yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think Oklahoma State missed a couple of tricks there and, and really had their chance to beat a, a good Texas team. Yep. Yep. And I mean, the other disappointing thing on the day was both punting units were quite disappointing. And this is especially disappointing because both of them are Aussie representatives. So they need to pick up their game, boys. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's head to Athens, Georgia, where the Bulldogs beat Notre Dame 23-17. to Now, we both thought that this 14-point line that this game opened at was, was fractionally large, and that proved to be the case. It was a real defensive struggle in the first half, and, and Georgia didn't even get on the board until two and a half minutes left in the first half. Um, Notre Dame led it 10-7 to um, at the major break. Oh, I don't know how I feel about. It. I don't know how. E- I don't think we learn a whole heap from e- from this game about either of these two teams. DeAndre Swift went and took the game over and got more involved as the game progressed, and he appeared to be the difference. But Jake from again to me just didn't inspire that confidence that he was going to go and take this game by the horns. He makes all the right reads. He's got a big arm. He can make the throws, and he hit a deep out. Um, from the right hash or the ball spot on the right hash all the way to the left sideline, which was an elite NFL throw. And I don't have any question with that, but I just think some of his ball placement on some of these easier throws, like your slants, like your quick outs, is just not that elite. And he leaves yards on the field. He leaves completions on the field. I don't think he was that sharp. I know he went 20-26 and he threw that nice back shoulder fade to Lawrence Cager, which everyone will say is good, so don't at me. But... Like, to, to me, there's just something missing from the Jake from game. Uh, Notre Dame's defense was good early, but faded down the stretch. I think the Golden Domers are probably better than I thought they were, and they certainly had their chances to win. Uh, Ian Book was mm, so-so. The Notre Dame defense wore down, and, and, and Georgia get out of there with a win. But it's clear that the, the Alabama and Clemson are, are some way off in the distance. They're just not quite at the same caliber in terms yeah, of their I play at the moment. I, I think it was two evenly matched teams going head-to-head, two very good teams. So I'm not willing to kind of put them away because Notre Dame had a, a good game plan that they were able to execute, especially early on. Uh, and... You know, there's talent all over the field here. So the fact that one team wasn't able to be super impressive and, you know, there there wasn't a whole bunch of points early on, I don't take as a knock on either team. I think that just speaks to their discipline and structures and, and the fact that they're able to execute what they need to do defensively more so than offensively and then make some adjustments and get things going like that that's what you expect from good coaching staff and and both of these units were able to kind of do something and and it was more so Georgia I think obviously playing at home helps when you start to get a bit of momentum rolling and and can do all that and they fed off of that but this yeah these are two good football teams going head to head and I was yeah impressed with um with what we saw uh, as you mentioned DeAndre Swift is uh is a very good football player and he for mine was yeah. it was almost the difference in this one Yeah absolutely I 100% agree with you on him um but it'll be interesting to see how these two teams progress as the season goes on and I'm probably selling Notre Dame a bit short here uh it was really, really good defense by both teams, and you know credit needs to go to to the teams for that. Uh, I just would have thought with a fourteen point line, Georgia didn't have it all their own way, and they were never going to. It just was a fraction tighter than than I would have hoped. I think Notre Dame could have looked to stretch the field a little bit more and and push the ball downfield earlier. I think they tended to uh, check it down a little bit too much and throw a lot of that short game which yeah you know uh Komet got a whole heap of the ball and they were trying to go to Claypool a lot they're two tight ends um but they probably needed to try and stretch the field and try and loosen that box up yep. a little bit more a little earlier all right carrying on in the 12 we have got one of the craziest games that I can probably remember there might have been a West Virginia Baylor one going back that probably rivals this but Washington State 63 go down to UCLA 67 now why is this so 
crazy. I mean, the scoreline in and of itself is pretty crazy. You can look at the fact that there was uh, 14 touchdowns thrown by both quarterbacks. There was six turnovers for Wazoo. The thing that is the craziest for me is that UCLA have averaged 14 points in every one of their games so far. And then they turn it on to the tune of 67, come from 32 points back, which you mentioned earlier in the show. And Yeah, and, and watching the game, like they had 17 to the half and they didn't look like they could pile it. Like it, it just wasn't there. It, it wasn't happening. And then all of a sudden it was. They couldn't stop scoring. I mean... Fuck, the tackling was so terrible in this game. Like, I I know defense is not great in these sorts of shootouts and they they spread it around and you can see that. But there were just some real basic, like, angles and wraps and shit like that that was just misread or poorly executed that just you kind of left you wondering, are you guys, like, having it on here? Are you you trying to get as much media attention by just really letting them do whatever they want offensively? It was, yeah, it was it was the sort of game I yeah. like watching though because it was backwards and forwards. They like when UCLA started coming, they were just charging, and then Washington State had to fight back, and they were, and then they were just going blow for blow, backwards and forwards, and you know, finally Washington State got a stop, and you thought that's it, they've done it, and then on the bloody first play after that, they fumble it and give it back, and UCLA go in and. You know, the go-ahead touchdown, it was an absolute ripper. Yeah, it was really enjoyable to watch and certainly certainly high-scoring those six turnovers. I mean, to, to think that they can turn the ball over six times and still score 63 points. Yeah, I mean, how do you throw impressive. for 570 yards and only have one receiver go for 114 yards as your top one? Like, I was expecting to see someone with like 300 yards in this game receiving, but they just spread it around. Yeah. They've got like eight dudes with multiple some, catches. Some of the numbers were still pretty crazy. Yeah, and that in and of itself is pretty nuts. Um, so well done to UCLA. I mean, that probably takes a little bit of heat off of Chip. Um, and we'll see if that UCLA offense has, you know, can keep that momentum going and really break out and, and go yeah. and become the Chip Kelly of old, I suppose, and, and that high-scoring, high-powered offense. Here's hoping it sparks something for them. Yeah. All right. Uh, Auburn head down to College Station and in relatively impressive fashion beat Texas A&M 28 to 20. Uh, Auburn jumped out to a big lead on this one, mainly from some really good play calling by Gus Malzahn. I thought they had a really good game plan and really controlled the ball and did what they want want with it when they wanted to. Bo Nix was solid, didn't do anything crazy. Um, and, you know, that, that actually ended up putting up less yards than the Aggies and failed to put up 300 total yards, but they felt in complete control the whole way through in this one. And it's a good grinded out victory against a good opponent um, with a freshman quarterback on the road. I think this is a win that Auburn should be really, really happy with. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on this. Uh, I, I watched this game and Auburn well and truly dominated it. I don't think the 28-20 to 20 score line accurately reflects what played out. And that, I mean, Texas A&M scored 17 of those 20 in the last to, yeah. to get it back to, to that sort of thing. And whilst Auburn weren't necessarily dominating offensively, they were just controlling the defensive line i mean they kept them to 2.7 yards average running the ball they just couldn't get anything going there so it was all up to kellen mond and and my prediction going to the game was this would happen and he would be able to get it done and like he was okay he he didn't throw any picks he he had a couple of touchdowns went for over 300 yards yards, but it, it was certainly wasn't enough and and they were kind of keeping it all in front of them from th- that standpoint. And then when they needed to, they would come up and, and get a big play, uh, you know, a f- force a fumble or have a sack or blow it up in the backfield. So they had them playing behind the sticks enough that they were always in control and A&M always seemed scrambling and, and trying to work hard just to, to get a first down. And lastly on that one, Auburn 
well, probably looking forward actually, Auburn hosts Mississippi State next week and I've got this tabbed as a massive danger game. The week after they head to Florida uh, and I think they'll be there is a risk after a good solid grinded out win to then look ahead to a Florida game and a game that is going to be massive in the context of the SEC. And then Mississippi State in the middle of that and they're going okay at the moment and you're going to have to grind out another tough victory against the Bulldogs as well. But that feels a little bit like a look-ahead spot for the Tigers. So hopefully they can uh, stay focused on the job at hand next week. Yeah, I mean, I hope not for their sake because Mississippi State are a good football team. So they're they're, they're into the SEC and I know you kind of bag the SEC for getting all this love, but there ain't many easy matches in there. Uh, especially no, in the ICC West. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, as we go to the Big Ten, now I've touched on this briefly, but Wisconsin 35, Michigan 14. Uh, like we said, not a lot to be positive about. Uh, Jim Harbour admitted that they were outcoached, outplayed, outprepared, out everything, and they're a bit of a mess now. Uh, Shea Patterson did get benched kind of for an injury and he, he did return to the game so it won't be anything too crazy and the media won't be going nuts over that or anything in terms of an actual benching of Shea Patterson but Jim Harbour is now one and six against ranked opponents on the road they are not playing well at the moment and they're nowhere near where they want to be on the flip side I do want to give Wisconsin their moment because they're playing fantastic except for perhaps the nine penalties and this is the danger, is that they're up 35 to nothing. They had backups in the game, and they can still do this better. They can still clean this up. If they get rid of those nine penalties, they'll be even more methodical. They can run the ball even more effectively, and Jack Cohn can control this offense even more. Uh, I've been really impressed with that defense as well. I think that's an underrated part. We talk about Jonathan Taylor. We talk about the offensive line, and we talk about how steady Jack Cohn's been. But that Wisconsin defense, particularly that linebacking core, which I was a little bit skeptical of uh, at the start of this year, has done a fantastic job, particularly stopping the run. Yeah, their defense is really good, and I would go as far as saying that their starters still haven't given up points this year. So when they did concede against Michigan State, it was kind of when they started repping dudes through there. So they are, as as I was saying earlier, really impressive. They they know what they're about. They they feed the best running back the ball, and you know why wouldn't you? And then they play really really good defense. So I'm I'm really bullish on Wisconsin. I'm disappointed that you've picked them up in the championship draft and I've missed out on that one because I think they have potential. Yeah, I'm really happy. I mean, I do have Mich- I do have Michigan as well, and they're a hot mess. So, um, but I think the other thing that appears to be quite evident is that Wisconsin is on the same page. They know what they're about. They've got their identity. The coaches are all working together. Or it looks like this from the outside. Michigan seems disjointed. It seems like there is. Some and I know this always comes up when you're losing, but it just appears that they're not quite in sync, and that's a massive, massive thing to have. Uh, and and Wisconsin have it, yep. and Michigan don't. All right, UCF take their first loss in a number of games. They drop this one to Pitt by a point. To be honest, I didn't think Pitt had 35 points in them um, but their defense came ready to play uh, and the and the Panthers uh, were racking up tackles for loss and sacks all over the place uh, the offense was led again by Kenny Pickett and Maurice French and they didn't have much else outside of those two guys but gee I thought for two two and a bit quarters UCF were actually the better team um, and they'll be really I thought you might give me a pat on the back for uh, predicting this one Sorry, sorry. Well, I had a shocking day, which you weren't um, quiet in letting me know about as well uh, on the picks, and I'm sure we'll get to that a little bit later. I think later, it turned a little bit in the afternoon. Yeah, I mean, you started to heat up as I yeah, cooled off. Yeah, but you, I mean, you did pick this one. You said this would be close. You said that you thought Pitt could get them, and they did. Um, but there was a point where UCF were up by 10 points in the third quarter, and at that point, I thought it was actually over. Um, but Pitt managed to claw their way back into the game. They ran their own version of the Philly special on a fourth down. Uh, Kenny Pickett makes the catch, and 
that is it. Game over. And not season over for UCF, but certainly from a national standpoint, it appears that way. Um, there's more to this pit defense than I suspected. Um, and it maybe Pitt isn't the the kind of cellar dweller in the ACC Coastal that we thought they would be. Yeah, I mean, UCF couldn't get there when they had zero losses, so they got Buckley's of doing it with a yeah. loss. Oh, for sure. I mean, this this is terminal for them, but credit to Pitt. They came out to play, uh, and UCF, as I kind of feared, were, were not. They were sloppy. It was as if, you know, they drained a lot of energy in a big win the previous week and just, yeah, weren't weren't quite there ready to go to start things they had special teams miscues and they were the better team as you were saying like watching it it was quite clear that UCF were a better football team than Pitt but they took their opportunities they were ready to go from the start and then momentum's a funny thing especially when you've got it in the last and you get an opportunity playing at home in front of your home fans it's it's not a good spot to be on the road as the favorite because they they feed off of that the other team and and Pitt did and and they showed out and got the win so good for them I'm happy happy for that program but it's a real killer for UCF. Okay, let's blitz through these now. Otherwise, I am never going to get to Japanese bedtime. Uh, in the Big Twelve, Iowa State put up seventy two on a team that nearly beat Florida State in UL. Monroe, they win that one 72 to 20. West Virginia just get over Kansas 29 to 24. Are Kansas making a move up into like being plucky? Is that a thing? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're certainly getting around the plucky uh, category now, aren't they? Which is which is great. Impressive. Baylor beat Rice 21 to 13, and SMU unfortunately down TCU. 41 to 38. Why is that unfortunate? Well, I mean, you picked it, didn't you? I did, yeah. Well done, well done. (laughs) You picked the Stangs to go and win that one, and they did. In the Big Ten, Ohio State beat Miami of Ohio 76 to 5. And wow, Ohio State. Sorry? That's a good score. 5, 76 to 5. I nearly put 5 down as my. One of my scores for this week, I didn't. Justin Fields scoring six touchdowns in a quarter? Yes, he is a freak. That's not bad. Not bad at all. Indiana uh, get over UConn, 38-3. to Michigan State beat that struggling Northwestern team that we talked about, 31-10. to Nebraska have a few troubles with Illinois, and they still can't seem to get that defense fixed, but they win that one 42 to 38 and get themselves college game day on the back of that effort. Nebraska do. Yeah, so if they had have dropped that, it wasn't it sure as shit wasn't heading there, but they were managed to salvage it. So now they've got Ohio State coming to town. Okay. First time nice in one. like a decade. Wow, it's been a while for Nebraska. In the ACC, like I said, it was relatively quiet for them, but Florida State beat Louisville 35 to 24. Uh, North Carolina lose for the second straight week, this time to App State, 34-31. Clemson, Virginia, Boston College, Syracuse, Wake, Miami, and NC State all get Ws, though. In the Pac-12, USC beat Utah. Again, you pick this one in a much-needed bounce-back win for the Spartans. Uh, Sorry, the Trojans, not the Spartans. Um, 30 to 23. I thought Utah were in control of that one for large stretches there, but just couldn't get it done. And, and USC made a lot of big plays, particularly in the passing game, to get them over the line. Yep, no, you're right. It was kind of one that I was worried about for Utah and it happened to play out that way. So now we've we've got a real mess in the Pac-12. But on the, the flip side of that, USC have now you know, kind of starting to build a bit more momentum again and Clay might be able to save his job. Uh, yeah, well, I don't think he's going to get fired before the bye week, but you never know. Um, either way, that streak of never winning or can't win in a million years uh, is still the case at the Coliseum. So 
unfortunately for Utah, they'll have to wait for another couple of years before they get a chance to right that particular wrong from their perspective. Oregon controls Stanford 21-6. to Washington give a BYU a taste of some better football. Get over them 45-19. to Cow surprise Ole Miss by putting up 28 points and they beat the Rebels 28-20. Uh, to Arizona State go down to what's becoming a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde Colorado team, uh, 34 to 31. But Colorado's only loss isn't the worst loss. Uh, sorry, isn't a great loss, but they've beaten some okay teams, beating Nebraska, beating Arizona State. You know, they're looking okay in the Pac-12. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, the the Pac-12 is even. We, we can Still say that. Shit. Much. Okay. Still shit. In the SEC, uh, Bama beats Southern Miss 49-7. LSU destroy Vandy 66-38. Florida beat up on Tennessee, and things are not getting any better in Knoxville, uh, 34-3. Mississippi State beat Kentucky 28-13. That's a pretty good win for the Bulldogs. Missouri, maybe I, I said Missouri earlier, and then they had that loss, but they're actually coming good here. They beat South Carolina pretty com- well comfortably, 34-14. to uh, I'm getting on board the Tigers of Mizzou. Maybe okay, they'll Bryant. lose this week now. Hey? Kelly Bryant. Kelly Bryant. They'll lose this week now. But anyway, Arkansas go down to San Jose State. That is not a good loss, uh, 24-31. to 31. Are there any other games you would like to get to, William? No, I, th- I think that's good, mate. You've, you've done a great job again. New country, <laughs> but the... Uh... Here we Continual go. Look at your English language skills. Quality that comes from you is uh, sustained. I'm impressed. Thank you. All right. Well, now it is your turn to shine as we head into dishing out some helmet stickers and some a uh, bit of a look at some Aussies in action. Brilliant. Okay. So let's start with the helmet stickers, and there are a whole heap to give out this week. So I'm going to try and be quick with this. Uh, I'm going to start with the man himself, Jonathan Taylor, running back at Wisconsin. So he ran for 203 yards on the weekend and a couple of touchdowns. I think there's some stat like that's the first ever running back to go for 200 against Michigan. I think I I heard that during the game. I'm, I'm not sure. What makes it even more impressive is he essentially did it in a half. He sat a quarter with uh, cramps. And then the last quarter, he barely played because they had backups in. So in the first and third quarter, he was able to run for 200 yards against this vaunted Michigan defense at nearly nine yards a carry. That Going into the game, they were giving up something like two, two and a half or something crazy like that. So, man, that's, that's good. Helmet sticker for you, bud. Yep. Uh, yeah. Next up, Derek Brown. Uh, defensive tackle at Auburn. I, I said I watched that game. He was just a machine on that D-line. He is a big unit, and he was wrecking havoc. He had a couple of sacks. He had three tackles for a loss. He had a couple of breakups. He forced a fumble. He was just a man amongst boys. So get yourself a sticker, son. Uh, next up, Brock Purdy, Iowa State uh, quarterback. So they oh, had the disappointing loss to Iowa last week. They put up 72 this week. And he had a really, really impressive game. So 21 of 27 for 435 is efficient with three Jeez. touchdowns. But then he ran the ball nine times for another 75 yards and also three scores. So that's a huge game for him. He well needed done. one. He's only a sophomore. Uh, also, your boy Joe Burrow, his day. So he broke the LSU record uh, for touchdown passes with six, which is insane. Uh, he went 25, 34, nearly 400 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. at USC was a real difference maker for him. So he had 10 he catches was. and 232 yards against a, a good Utah defensive backfield. He was continually springing open out the back and winning in one-on-one you know, contests. And sometimes two on one. Yeah, didn't matter. Uh, and then Jamar Chase as well at LSU, catching him from Burrow. He had 10 catches, 230 yards, four touchdowns, <laughs> just doing his own thing. And then another one that I'm, I'm giving out stickers to here that I thought was quite interesting. We had the two top uh, passing yard getters this week 
were from that crazy game, uh, Washington State UCLA. So Anthony Gordon and Dorian Thompson Robinson uh, both went for over 500 yep. yards. They were one and two. So they can both have a sticker. And then running the ball, we had uh, Colorado State uh, Toledo. The two, the top two rushes this week playing against each other. So they went for 246 and 228 uh, respectively. That's Marvin Kinsley Jr. and Bryant Kobach. So we had two completely opposite games, one just airing it out and one just sticking it on the ground. At least one would have been done before dinner. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like when at least the, the game clock can, keeps running with those guys that are running it. But yeah, they, they both averaged over 10 yards a carry. So not a whole lot of defense being played in any of those games, but all of those guys are walking away with stickers. Okay, I'm going to throw out a couple for... Uh, they are Washington State guys, but Max Borgie uh, put up over 200 yards of offense and a touchdown, both running uh, and catching the ball. Aesop Winston had 10 catches and four touchdowns. Um, and then the other guy who was just an absolute weapon was Demetric Felton, who caught two touchdowns receiving, but also took... Uh, a punt or a kick return to the house as well for 100 yards for his troubles. So he had a massive, massive day for the Bruins and helped them get their win. Crazy stuff, eh? Hey? All right. Yeah, I mean, you sound super, super excited about it all. Oh, <laughs> man. I was when I was watching it. Now it's just I'm still exhausted from it, I think. It was a all solid right. like Let's 14 go hours. Into, now, because I might not be here for next or the later in the week's episode, our preview episode for week five. We're going to jump into our championship draft right now. So because Hawaii scored not as many points as they could have, uh, this week's championship draft we're picking. Sorry? 34, I think they put up. 34, yes. So that puts them in, in the 25, the 10 to 25 range. It, oh, 11 to 25. Good, sir. Yeah, all right. Outside the top 10. Outside so, the top 10. And uh, it is your pick first. It is mine. It is mine. So I've looked at mine who I've got Georgia, Washington, USC, Ohio State, Utah, Michigan State. Uh, I did do the math on these as well. So if we introduced the whole uh, AP poll standings and the points associated there. So just a bit of a running tally for you and just to keep you in the loop over there, my friend. I'm on 66 points at the moment uh, with okay. every one of my teams currently ranked. You, oh, on the other shit. hand, are on 57. So a little bit little bit behind, but not too bad. Uh, but funnily enough, you have two teams that are not ranked at all. So I think you know, you, you're doing a little bit better in terms of the guys that you've got. I've got a few that are really just scraping in there, but yeah, <laughs> it's it's tight. Okay. Uh, but I, I, am, I am definitely lacking some Big 12 flavor in mine, so I'm going to add Texas into the mix. Uh, they beat my boys on the weekend. Hopefully now they can go on a run and win the remainder of their games and then we can get another crack at them in the Big 12 Championship game. So I will add Texas into the fold. Okay. Uh, not a bad decision. And and since we've got this scoring in, it's kind of changing my mind here a little bit because I was thinking about taking Iowa or is it going to be Penn State, one of those two? Because I can Penn State seem to get love from the voters regardless. So they're probably the second best team in the East, are they, behind... Ohio State, which would see them stay ranked pretty high, or Iowa's probably going to lose to Wisconsin, drop someone. So I'm going to take number 12, Penn State. Okay. that's Yeah, no, that's not a bad one. The other one I was liking the look of is Boise. I mean, they yeah, keep going. I, they keep winning. They're, they're going to finish top 10. Will they? If they do not lose a game, I they will finish in the top 10. Okay. Yeah, I'm in that. That probably makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Uh, yeah, okay. I'll add Penn to your list and we will charge on. I hope so because I cannot remember who I have anymore. All right. Let's get to bold predictions. So mine was a strange score Saturday. Um, I said there'd be a whole bunch of strange scores that would come out like some one team would score 11. That didn't happen, so I missed. Yes. You did. I saw that. You're done. Uh, mine was that it wouldn't be close. 
uh, and that all of the ranked matchup home teams would do work. Uh, Wisconsin certainly did that, so that was a big check. Then uh, the remaining games did not go that way. So I had A&M to win by more than two. They lost, and Georgia had a tight tussle, weren't able to blow away Notre Dame like I was perhaps predicting. Okay, let's have a quick look at the Aussies in action in the punting side of things predominantly. Um, who has had a fantastic week putting their toe to leather? Yeah, so we're still looking the goods here. We've still got the number one punter in the nation in Max Duffy. Uh, he continued his insanely strong start to the season. He had another three punts at an average of 513 He's just a man possessed at the moment, so really happy having him up top. And then after that, there were three dudes who I am saying are legit, were legit difference makers for their teams on the weekend. So they, these guys had a real impact on their team winning football games. So the first one I have is Tyson Dyer at uh, New Mexico. So he only had two mm-hmm. punts on the day, but this was a high-scoring matchup, right? Playing. In-state rivals, New Mexico State, they ended up getting up 55 to 52. His two punts were for an average of 59 and a half yards. That's fucking game-changing. You're pushing that back. You are flipping the field. That gets you those extra three points for the win. Yeah. Legend, Tyson. Love it. Hidden yardage. Next one, Toledo getting over Power 5 side, or no, non-Power 5 side, sorry, Colorado State. Uh, that's still an upset for them. He had a great day, Bailey Flint. Six punts and an average of 52 yards. Again, really driving it back, doing what he can for his team, getting them the win. And the last one is Xavier Subotch. Subotosh, isn't it? I can't remember. That sounds better than what I said, certainly. <laughs> uh, but he, at App State, they did beat a Power 5 team, 34-31, another ACC junk side. Uh, he had five punts at nearly uh, 50 per, so he was awesome. And congrats, big fella. Another big scalp for the Mountaineers. Correct. Well done. Thank you said you. it like it was a question, but yeah. Um, all good. Okay. We have blitzed through a lot of stuff here. Um, we've covered a lot of ground, which is impressive. The last thing we do have to get to is your day losing more money. Tell us about it, Will. Not this week, my friend. Not oh, what? this week. So, day finally. So. Yeah, we, we, we were back, which was good. So, uh, for those of you who dialed in the end of last week on, on the preview show, I gave out two picks, and then I had uh, two options that I wanted you to weigh in on. So uh, my first pick was for Wisconsin to do what they did and win big, and that was great. Scored on that one. Then, unfortunately, I had uh, Stanford to keep it close with Oregon, and they weren't able to do that. They just couldn't score. They're just pathetic offensively. I know people (laughs) talk about KJ Costello, but there's just nothing there. They weren't there. Yeah. So I missed there, which was disappointing. But uh, of the two options that I gave you, you couldn't go wrong, really. I gave you SMU plus 10, day one. I gave you Pitt plus 10, day one. I would have been better off just backing those two together and we would be real rich. But hey, hindsight is twenty twenty, especially in the gambling game. Still happy enough to take two out of three this week. So I end up walking away plus one and a half units. Recoup some of the losses uh, for a running total of negative 7.9. 7.9 or 17.9? Just 7.9, mate. Just 7.9. Do you know what your where you finished up at the end of last season in terms of in the red? I might. Have, uh, I, I, might I know have it to... was down. <laughs> I know that, that too. That, that is the number I'm willing to divulge. okay well that brings us to the end of our week four recap show um a little bit later um and a little bit more international flavored uh this time around but as per usual please do hit us up on twitter and on instagram at cfb down under let us know how you're going let us know how your team is traveling uh make sure you leave us those five star reviews 
I am going to sit myself on a robotic toilet that does all kinds of weird pampering and powdering. That sounds so um, good. <laughs> it's it's a weird setup. It's way too warm, but that's okay. Um, on behalf of Will Murden, all the way back in Australia, um, for myself, Aaron Kemp, sitting here in Tokyo. I'm exhausted. My name's Aaron, that's Will, and we will see you next time.